This is Titans offensive lineman Roger Saffold and his media availability from earlier today after the second joint practice with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, it was like a, it was a kind of like a, like a heavyweight bout, especially in the trenches, man. You, you know, you kind of want that. You kind of want to see where you stand there as a team. I thought that we uh, really played for each other. Everybody played hard. Um, you know, in, in, in this type of weather and humidity, guys were just out there fighting. We're a little bit low on the offensive line right now, and being able to battle through definitely, I, I think, put a couple notches on our belt as far as just, you know, conditioning, effort in the game. You know, this is going to pay dividends for later. For later, but honestly, we do this because uh, when you're going to get somebody that's not your team, uh, you know, you're just going to get higher, faster, more physical reps, and you can't duplicate these reps except in a game. And I think it's just another way for uh, guys that won't be playing in the preseason game to get some real game time reps. Um, you know, a lot of these guys I played with uh, a ton before, but I haven't got to meet them personally either. So it's good to kind of, you know, meet the guys that you work with day in and day out. I, I think I think it shows the uh, the mentality of the team. You know what I mean? Because if you're able to go ahead and keep plugging people in and we're able to find success, I mean, it's only going to supercharge your offense when we get everybody back. The only thing we worry about is, you know, with guys constantly being out, you worry about condition, conditioning and that type of thing, which is why, you know, you hope to get everybody out here. But it just doesn't work that way. Everybody's body is different, heals certain ways. Um, but, you know, those guys are working as well. I mean, Coach Frable does a great job of understanding uh, you know, for the injured guys, like, hey, you guys got to get this type of work if you're not going to play. And then, you know, we just we just hope that they get get healthy and come back and help us. But um, I think it's just, you know, continue to keep trucking. This is camp. It's hard. This is what's going to happen. And uh, we just got to keep plugging away. Um, honestly, I think it's just great for precision, you know, getting all of our, our wide receivers back. But I would feel really, really great about that, uh, uh, getting some, some good reps with those guys. But at the end of the day, we got a game plan. And as long as we do the game plan, you're supposed to win, right? I'm sorry. Oh, this is two games right here. That's, that's how I figure it. I mean, honestly, we were ever here moving the ball. We do situations. We do special teams. We do everything out here. Uh, so, I mean, certain guys need to be able to get that experience. And let's be, let's be real, taking away a preseason game makes it harder on those guys that may not make the team. So let's continue to give those guys the reps so that they could get a job somewhere else. That was a luxury we didn't have last year with COVID. I'm too old, man. I'm too old. I can't, I, I'm, you know, like, I look at it, I'm like, man, I'll get in there, and then I sit there, it's 50 yards away, and I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just chill and rest. But, you know, it's part, it's part of the sport. You know, they came out today on fire. We had a really good day of practice yesterday, and that's what you want to see, people compete, keep, keep uh, fire. A lot of pushing, but no punches thrown, and as long as there's no punches thrown, then we're good, Jim. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, honestly, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. I think that this is a great opportunity to play against the Super Bowl, uh, you know, uh, champion team. And, uh, you know, it just lets you know that when you get these successful plays and you start making things happen in the red zone and you start to get movement in first and second down and you're protecting the quarterback, it shows that, hey, you can play anybody. You can 
play with anybody. So we just got to continue to give ourselves a chance to be able to get to that level. Oh, yeah. So today was a little bit better. You know, yesterday after coming off of the flight, you know what I mean, not able to eat as much. Man, I lost 10 pounds yesterday. Today I'm probably, you know, five to seven, which, which could be pretty much normal. But yesterday it was a little bit more. Uh, honestly, it's mostly water weight. So as long as you're drinking water and staying hydrated, eating some good food, you should be able to get it back pretty easily. Um, I know sometimes you wake up in the morning because your body does work for you at night when you sleep. You may lose a pound or two when you wake up. Oh, uh, today I got six Gatorades in, which uh, which is astounding to me because I usually try to stick to the water because Gatorade has so much sugar, but sometimes you need that sugar when you're producing out there. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed your new track. That was Titans offensive lineman Roger Sample. That meant say he lost 10 pounds yesterday. By the way, welcome in final hour here on 104.5 The Zone. I know I got a little, Lucas, I got straight up fried by the heat out here. Like the, th- the thing straight fried my technology. So it sounded like I got a little uh, Jim Wyatt robot voice. But we're back. We're better than ever. I've got a pirate ship in front of me. Straight up. This thing is on wheels. I may drive it home. Uh, rental car be damned. But yes, Titans offensive lineman Roger Saffold speaking with the media directly after practice. You'll hear from Jeffrey Simmons later on in the show, and we're also going to talk with uh, with uh, NFL Films' Greg Cosell about Dylan Radins and Rashad Weaver, some preseason analysis by Greg about these two players and what makes them, what made them stand out in this game. Because a lot, a lot of people looked at Dylan Radins and were uh, less than impressed with his performance, but Greg kind of dispelled some of those notions that I think uh, that I think people were really, really concerned about with the initial sack that they thought Dylan Radins gave up. So we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, it's hot as hell. So if Roger Saffold is losing 10 pounds, I don't feel as bad about my uh, my Zoom connection getting physically fried by the uh, 110 heat index out here at the Tampa Bay facility. But as long as we're back and we sound good now, then I'm happy. As long as Lucas is happy, I'm happy. Buddy, are you okay? Are you surviving? I'm happy. That was ultimate robot voice that says as robot voice that was like worse than jim wyatt robot voice what did uh what did you do did you did you like throw it through how, how did you handle this was this your <laughs> moment was this was this the time when you unseat me from the throne yeah you didn't hear me toss it to saffold hell no i couldn't hear anything all i saw was oh my god i'm not on the air and my music's playing so i have to <laughs> run over here and find shelter uh, in this uh, in this vicious tampa bay heat it was uh yeah my, mike vrabel would have loved it that was amazing <laughs> an absolute troll 615-737-1045 is how you jump in robot voice or otherwise we're back and better than ever here on 104.5 the zone presented by our friends at scoreboard bar and grill but a lot of fun today uh really appreciate john ledyard stopping by the tent but certainly the conversation now becomes about the depth guys about the work that they got in i want to uh i want to play jeffrey simmons press conference with the media later on in the show as well because we haven't we haven't heard from big jeff in a while outside of his appearance with us i think it was monday two mondays ago when he sat down at the uh, at the zone training camp table with us and spoke about all the things that have been going on with him um more than anything more than anything i was really interested well, that's not true. I was going to say more than anything, I was interested in the offensive line versus the defensive line on both sides for the Bucks and the Titans, given that both have pretty stout units up front. 
but like the uh, the highlights of Brady and these wide receivers versus the DBs really uh, really grab gra- that's where my attention gravitated towards as the practices wore on. 615-737-1045 is how you jump in. We also have to talk about Julio Jones and AJ Brown because they haven't been practicing and I feel like I feel like now is it's with it, not with Julio but with AJ. I want to know what's happening there because if it's a setback fine but there needs to be some acknowledgement that there's been a bit of a setback. Yeah, he went through practice on Monday at the stadium. A lot of people got to see AJ Brown but he just really did individual drills and then he Sat the rest of it out. It was him and Julio chilling on the sideline. They throw him up on the scoreboard, and the fans would cheer. But they're cheering because they see them, not they're cheering because they're doing stuff on the field. That's where that's where my greater concern comes in with AJ Brown. Now I'm not like I'm not telling you sound the alarm. AJ Brown is dealing with knee complications again. It's not what I'm saying. But if that's not the case, then what is a what is how why is AJ Brown being managed the way that he is? And also Ben Jones who we haven't seen in quite some time. That is a critical piece of that offensive line. In fact, I, I don't know that I would argue that Ben's the most important piece, but maybe I would, given how bad Daniel Munyer has been in front of Ryan Tannehill without Ben Jones on the field. He got tangled up a couple of weeks ago uh, in practice. He celebrated a touchdown, and then we didn't see him anymore. We haven't seen him for basically almost two weeks at this point. So we'll get into that as well. We're also going to have a deep dive analysis with Greg Cosell of Dylan Radens and Rashad Weaver, your reaction to what's going on with Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Are you concerned? And at what point do you become concerned? Because I think that for the people who are monitoring the wide receiver situation, for the people who are looking at their star studded offense and saying, yeah, you know, we're uh, easily the Titans are going to be able to throw up 30 points and north of 30 points per game again. I just I, I want to know how they like a temperature check, basically, given that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones have not been out on the field and done like legitimate work in quite some time. How is the fan base feeling? 615-737-1045. we got a lot more show to do and a lot more fun to have and certainly no more heat so i had to move away from the palm tree backdrop now i just have the reflection of the palm trees in front of me off the bucks like this is i guess where their locker room is they have a whole building just for their locker room like it's separate from the practice facility i really can't get over how nice the bucks facility is anyway we'll come back we'll have all of those discussions coming up next i'm buck rising this is 104.5 the zone live from tampa bay presented by scoreboard bar and grill can you all hear me can you all see me (laughs) <laughs> Have I gone full robot? This is these are the questions that I'm asking myself every time we go to commercial break. Welcome back in 1045 the zone live from Tampa Bay. Presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill. Trying to make sure that not only that I don't overheat, but that the equipment doesn't overheat so that it doesn't sound like I'm physically being fried on the air. Now, Lucas, there has been a positive development in this regard. I've discovered I found a new location where there is shade, there is breeze. It's directly in front of the giant Tampa Bay Bucks flag, the one that's big enough to wrap around my house three times. And there is also a giant cooler directly behind me filled with all manner of goodies. So uh, I think we're going to be fine the rest of the way through the show. Is the cooler about it. like a you know public cooler for media, or is it just unguarded and you were just helping yourself? Oh, no, it's unguarded. Uh, everybody is cleared out at this point. I'm just waiting for uh, you know Bruce Arians or somebody on the Bucks staff to come over here and mother bleep me for still being <laughs> on their field. 
But yes, I've commandeered their pirate ship and I've commandeered their cooler and I'm quite happy about it. 615-737-1045 is how you get involved. 615-737-1045 is the number. So we ended last segment talking about AJ Brown. Now it's my understanding that AJ Brown gets to kind of, you know, has input on his maintenance days in the same way that Julio Jones does. And Mike Vrabel did not say that during his press conference. And I did go back and listen to some of it, what was available uh, before their stream went down. So, you know, the good news is not just us that are getting at our equipments out here getting toasted, but the Titans as well. Um, but his comments, you know, immediately deflected about, well, everybody's on an individual plan and I'm paraphrasing yada, yada, yada. But it's my understanding that A.J. Brown also, in the same way that Julio Jones does, has input on days, you know, how much work he's doing, how, how hard he's, maybe not how hard he's going, because when he's out there, he kill, he's, you know, straight murdering defensive backs on the field. But I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I understand that maintenance days are important. I understand that the human body is only able to withstand or should only be able to withstand so much punishment that these guys put themselves through hell each and every day playing the sport. But I also, you know, I kind of, I kind of have a little bit of a, it's weird. I kind of feel like an old person about this. Like, Hey, you know, go out there and play, like be competitive about it. If you're right, get out there and get after it. This is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These are the defending Super Bowl champions. If you are close to right, I mean, Josh Reynolds playing through an Achilles injury right now and AJ Brown's taking these days off. Now, nobody's questioning that AJ Brown's not way more important. I'm not questioning AJ's toughness or anything like that. The dude's a stud, but that does linger in the back of my mind with AJ and, and how I feel about, you know, him having him having say in the same way that a 10 year vet and, you know, a first ballot hall of famer like Julio does too. Now, I don't know what to, to what extent. That goes, but that was just kind of the impression that I having some conversations with some people that I was left under. 615-737-1045. Now, what this does open up is opportunity for other guys to get reps, critical reps, if you're trying to develop position depth, specifically at wide receiver. Now, Ryan Tannehill spoke about this yesterday because he spoke about Marcus Johnson yesterday. Ryan Tannehill did not speak at the podium today. He spoke yesterday. Um, but Ryan Tannehill, on this particular subject matter, has been really impressed with the guys that he has had out on the field because it's putting a lot more pressure on the quarterback, too, to try and elevate these guys. This was Ryan Tannehill yesterday. Guys competed. You know, it was, uh, it was a good day overall. It was definitely some things we need to clean up. Got to be better on third down. You know, I didn't think we played very good on third down um, really at any point today. But guys came out and they competed. You know, it's it hot out here. There was no excuses. The guys dug deep and uh, found a way to make plays. You know, some big plays early on. You know, Nick made a big one down the field. Mike Marcus made some plays. Chester made some plays competing. Um, you know, even in one-on-one. Started off a little slow, but once guys got going, then, you know, built some confidence and, and started making some plays. So look forward to, uh, to building on it tomorrow. And they did that. That was Ryan Tannehill yesterday speaking with the assembled media. Now, Marcus Johnson, so I tweeted out that the top wide receivers, the top three wide receivers didn't practice today for the Titans. And I don't necessarily know that people caught on that I was talking about Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Marcus Johnson. Because Josh Reynolds, Nick Westbrook, Nick Westbrook, Akina, Chester Rogers, Cam Batson, Mason Kinsey, all these guys 
out here going through the motions. Well, not going through the motions, but going through the practices in a way that the uh, current top three for the Titans has not been. Marcus Johnson did get some good work in, though, yesterday. That's what this is about. Now, Des Fitzpatrick continues. You notice that I didn't bring up Des Fitzpatrick's name in either of those conversations because in watching them out on the field, you know, this coaching staff is is on everybody. Like, it does not discriminate in terms of who gets coached hard and who doesn't, right? Because there's not really that. That's why Mike Vrabel in the, at halftime of a preseason game of a first preseason game is bitching out Brett Kern because everybody gets coached hard. That's the kind of precedent they set. That's a Belichick thing. And maybe it's just part of Rabel's personality too, not to draw an unnecessary correlation between them. But like that was always the story with Brady and Belichick. But Bill Belichick would get into Tom Brady because it not only was necessary, but because it sets a good example for, you know, nobody's above criticism in this organization. And that's kind of the way the Titans operate too. But man, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, I don't know if they need to pare down his workload. Like, and what I mean by that, not how much he's doing, like not from a standpoint of, okay, like a half a practice, like some, some of the vets do, but in what they're asking him to do and what they're asking him to learn with this Titans wide receiver core. The thing with Des Fitzpatrick is they've been trying to teach him all three positions and he doesn't seem like he's capable at this point, maybe at some point, but at this point, he doesn't seem like he's capable of handling all of what they're trying to, all of what they're trying to teach him again today, significant struggles. And, uh, and, you know, I, I can't report on interactions between the coaches and the players, but uh, they weren't pleased <laughs> with what was happening with Des Fitzpatrick on the field. Now, speaking of this rookie class, you know, expectations for them are going to be, I don't know if higher is the right word, but like there is going to be a hyper-focus on this rookie class, right? Because of the way that last year's, for whatever reason, underperformed. This brings up two guys in particular, Dylan Radins and Rashad Weaver. So Greg Cosell was on the install, of course, the install with Greg Cosell, every episodes every Wednesday. Just because I'm on the road doesn't mean that uh, all of the responsibilities that I have just stop cold. We did the install out here yesterday at the Bucks practice facility. In fact, it looked aesthetically fantastic because I had the clouds above me, palm trees behind me, and Greg talking ball. So Fitzpatrick, you're, you're looking at warily. Caleb Farley, you understand where he is in his progression. Elijah Molden, you know, you've seen some stuff. He's, he's, and these, these reps out here, out here today for Farley and Molden, so, so important for them to be able to advance and grow their game the way that I think Titans fans want them to. But then there's Dylan Radins and Rashad Weaver. Now, Rashad Weaver, the story of, of last week's preseason game, and probably the biggest story last week just because of the position that he plays in a team that so desperately needs pass rush. But I want to start with Cosell's analysis of Dylan Radins. Because what I asked him about Dylan Radins was, you know, I started to get into it. I started to say, yeah, you know, Greg, he gave up. They had him at guard for the first two series. Then they moved him out to tackle and he was fine. And he gave up the one sack at guard. And Greg very quickly stopped me and said, no, no, no. He didn't give up that sack. And then broke down the analysis of what he saw from the Titans second round pick. I mean, just looking at him. Okay. Yeah. Obviously we know he's not playing against the number ones and, but just watching him, I thought he played well. Now, I can't imagine he's going to be a starter at guard. They have Nick Davis at right guard and Seth called a left guard. I, they're the starters, I, you know, barring, any, barring an injury. So he's not going to beat out either one of those guys. So essentially, 
I think he was drafted to play right tackle because they lost Dennis Kelly. I mean, I know they still have Quisenberry. I know they still have Sombreo, but I think he was ultimately drafted to play right tackle. And he started the third series at right tackle. I thought he played well. Um, I thought as a run blocker, they asked him to do a number of things. He had to make some drive and base blocks where it, where it was play side and he had to come off the ball with some leverage and power. I thought he showed some sustainability doing that. The other thing is, is they're a predominant zone run team. So when the run is away from him, he has to work to the second level very often. And I thought he showed good athleticism and mobility. Those are very difficult blocks, Buck, when you have to block a moving linebacker who's a better athlete than you are, and you have to try to at least get a body on him with balance and body control. You know, those are hard blocks. The guy's a better athlete than you are. But I thought he he did a good job. Um, there was only one play where I thought he did not execute his assignment. There was a, a one-yard loss by Sargent um, in the second quarter. And that was, in my view, based on tape study, I thought that was Raiden's responsibility. Um, he did not execute his blocking assignment. He had the play side stacked backer. And he went to the defensive end, who I believe uh, the, the tight end was responsible for the defensive end. And, but he went to the... Um, uh, he went to the defensive end instead of the stack backer. And then you, you talk about uh, his pass protection. I thought he showed good knee bend, good balance in both his 45 degree and vertical pass sets. He was efficient with his kick slides. His base was firm. His hands were in good position to strike. I, I thought just, as I said, studying him and looking at the technique, putting aside who he's playing against, uh, because you have to start somewhere, Buck. That's the thing. Absolutely. You know, when he gets graded, and I don't know who the offensive line coach is. You do, I'm sure. I don't know who it is. Keith um, Carter, formerly of the Falcons, ironically enough. Okay, Keith Carter. He's not going to say to Dylan Radens, he's not going to say, you know, oh, you were playing against, you know, a guy who's not a starter. He's not going to say that. He's going to evaluate how Dylan Radens played. And that's, and, that's been... trying, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I thought Dylan Radens played well. And that's... So that's Greg Cosell, his analysis of Dylan Radens. That's from the install today's episode on the 104.5 The The Zone podcast feed. Certainly a very, very cool, uh, a very, very cool breakdown because that's what, you know, that's the first thing that I saw when when they started that first series against Atlanta. I saw Dylan Radens, the dude that he was blocking, get by him, not like blow by him, but get by him and give up a sack. And so immediately I tweeted out, incorrectly as Greg has just pointed out the Dylan Raidens gave up a sack playing right guard and so Greg broke down that this is why the the install with Greg Cosell is so critical even for me who's been you know I'm paid to watch football I think I understand football at a you know I'll say I got my bachelor's degree uh, degree in football and Greg's got his doctorate but the the difference in the blocking assignments and what he's being asked to do from a technical standpoint is what really pops on Raidens now I when when I did my three HL hit on Monday from the stadium practice, Don Davenport was kind of dismissing. Um, Don Davenport was kind of dismissing, you know, the level of competition that they're facing. Well, these guys aren't good. You know, a lot of them aren't going to make an NFL roster. A lot of these dudes aren't going to, uh, a lot of these dudes aren't starting NFL caliber player, but it's not about that. It's not about that at all for either side. It's about the technical, the technicalities of the position that each man on the field is asked to play. That's why now that's why they're not running schemes. Because they're just focused on, okay, did this right tackle hit his pass set correctly based on the timing 
of the three of the three step drop of the quarterback. Right. There are so many different in uh, what's what's the word interconnected parts of a single football play that the that, that the pass set is different on a three step drop, a five step drop or a seven step drop. So if the quarterback holds the ball too long on a three step drop and that player gets the sack, well, the, the it's not because the tackle or the guard had bad protections because the quarterback held the ball. Marcus Mariota. 11 sacks against the Baltimore Ravens exacerbated by a quarterback who, in the words of Mike Vrabel in that 2018 season, they were just looking for him to let it rip. And Marcus at times wouldn't that creates additional scrutiny unfairly. As we've talked about Dylan Raidens on the offensive line. Now we went into much further detail about Dylan Raidens, which is why you need to listen to this episode. But I also want you guys to hear Greg Cosell's analysis of Rashad Weaver. Because Rashad Weaver is a fifth-round pick, has the ability to play a critical role in this defensive rotation. But the variety of different things that they're asking him to do that we've talked about, that they've worked with him on at the Senior Bowl, make him a big-time asset for this team. This was Cosell on yesterday's episode of The Install talking about the Titans' edge rusher out of Pitt. Well, what the tape showed to me, and I think this is a positive, is he looked very much like he did at Pitt because he's a player – He's not a quickness explosion player. He's not a bender. He's not flexible. He's not purely explosive. What he is, is he's a player with strong, heavy hands and natural power. That's how he played at Pitt. That's how we looked in this preseason game. Um, and what was really interesting to me is he, I think he played 41 snaps. And mm-hmm. uh, and there were snaps in which they moved him inside, by the way, in the sub-nickel front and I think that'll be interesting to see if they do that, assuming he makes the team uh, and if he becomes part of the rotation when the regular season starts, if they do that and they move him inside. But putting aside those plays, and there might have been 10 or 12 of those, um, the rest of the plays except one, he always lined up to the boundary side of the formation, the short side of the field. And that's interesting. And the reason that's interesting is because when he was in the base defense meaning a 5-2 or a 3-4, whatever people want to call it. It's essentially a 5-2 front because there's five players on the ball and two stack backers. But the reason that's important is when you're playing to the boundary as the outside line of scrimmage player on the ball, then you're the edge setter in the run game because the corner can't be because the corner has got to run with the receiver. If the receiver runs vertically on the boundary side of the field, the corner has got to run with him. So he's the edge setter in the run game. And that's that's a big responsibility because you can't let anyone get outside of you. But I thought he looked very much like he did in college. You saw the heavy hands. You saw the power. Um, and, and that's what he is. He's an on-the-ball player. We might have spoken about this. He's, he was not going to be a stack backer. He's right. going to play on the ball. Yeah. And, and the, you're speaking to your earlier point about the snaps that he did play inside the, the dozen or, or less than a dozen that he played inside. That's something that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson worked with him on at the senior bowl to see if he was willing to get inside and play across the front as they may look at yeah, I think he him can doing, do that. trying to get versatile. I think he can do it. He plays off contact. Well, um, I think he could be effective in the stunt game. Now in the stunt game, there's a picker and he's the guy who goes first. And then there's the looper, the guy who loops around. To me, he'd be more effective as the picker, the guy who goes first, because that's where his power shows up. The looper has to have more flexibility to his core and his body. And Weaver's not that guy, in my view, anyway. 
That is Greg Cosell on this week's episode of the install, breaking down Dylan Radins and Rashad Weaver. All five first-round quarterbacks who the Titans may see at some point throughout the course of the season is what Greg and I talked about this week as well. Make sure you go check out that podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. So while you, while you may have to temper your expectations about your first-round pick, Caleb Farley, it sounds like there's a lot of promise in these two players that we're discussing right now. And that may be the case for Elijah Molden as well. We will see. That may be the, I mean, Racy, Racy McMath has a lot of work to do to get back into this competition at wide receiver, by the way. Unless he is just special teams God amongst man, which he may be, um, Nick Westbrook-Akina offers them more from an all-around standpoint, and that my position has changed on that over the course of the last couple of weeks. So when, when discussing this rookie class in particular, understanding the kind of scrutiny that you're going to have on them because of how poorly last year's class performed, be it you know Isaiah Wilson reasons or injuries or everything else that kind of compounded to make last year's class on the whole. And listen, I'm, I'm talking about within the context of last season. I'm not saying that every one of them from Isaiah Wilson on down to Chris Jackson was a bust, but I'm saying that the impact of that rookie class last year was fairly negligible. And so you're looking for them to take strides this year. 615-737-1045 if you would like to get involved. 615-737-1045. More than anything, though, that's what this preseason is about for these guys who are trying to develop their, their roles on their roster, on this roster. I am I'm made to feel so much better about the absence of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown because of Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers. I think that the secondary, while it will have a deep set of players back there. Once everybody is right, I still, I look at Caleb Farley and I'm, I, I can't tell you how many times I want to say, just as I've, just as I've talked about Julio Jones, not practicing and try to get Titans fans to back off the idea that the, of getting bent out of shape about him specifically right now, I would say temper your expectations about Caleb Farley until such time as he can get comfortable playing real life football again. And it's not like he's uncomfortable playing real-life football again. It's just that he hadn't done it in two years, and then he looks like it. So I had a question last night on my A to Z Sports primetime show about does Caleb Farley look like a first-round pick? And my answer was, I mean, yeah, you know, he looks like a first-round pick that hasn't played football since 2019 and that is trying to not necessarily relearn his position but relearn the nuances of what it is that makes that position. 615-737-1045. We will continue talking about this all week long. The show will be live from Tampa Bay for one more day. And then, of course, Titans Radio broadcasting from the Buccaneers Stadium, which you can hear this game between the Titans and the Bucs. And we'll see what progress guys like Dylan Raidens, Des Fitzpatrick, maybe even Elijah Molden, who didn't play in the first preseason game, uh, Rashad Weaver, Monty Rice, who, by the way, was back out on the field after being helped off with what looked like a pretty bad injury Yesterday, he returned to the practice field today and was out there working throughout the entirety of the practice. Makes you feel much better about the situation that was ongoing. We will come back. We will wrap up the show. We will do some poll questions on the other side. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone.
I'm cracking up watching the zone TV feed on YouTube because my camera froze again and I've got my earphones held up to the side. It looks like I'm a DJ spinning it, spinning it on the ones and twos. What a time. <laughs> You're on 1045 the zone, wrapping things up. The final time that we'll be broadcasting from the Buccaneers practice facility will be the show will be down in Tampa Bay tomorrow as well, but just, you know, from the safety and security of the hotel room, because I can't put Lucas through another day of this. He's been, he's been a good, he's been a good soldier, but this is good preparation for the football season, buddy. It's just, you know, it's not every day that I'm going to be sitting out in 110 degree heat index and my equipment's going to get fried. So during the football season, when I'm on the road, it will make life much, much easier on everybody involved. We appreciate everybody's patience today as well. I know it's been a little wonky, but I think I honestly, you know, I know Lucas probably hates it, but I think it makes live radio fun, you know, just the ability to kind of vamp and do things on the fly. And you don't, you know, I mean, ideally you would like to know that you're on the air at all times when you know you're going to be on the air and the safety and security of that. But I, uh, I don't know. I like a little chaos. I like to, I like to shake things up a little bit. And regardless, it's been great content that we've been able to get out here. So well worth it. And all presented by our friends at Scoreboard Bar and Grill. Food, drinks, sports, music, the world's largest selection of bushwhackers. Scoreboard Bar and Grill is the joint that you got to be watching Titans games at or going out to seeing a live show. They, uh, I looked up, I looked, up, I'm going to go to Scoreboard Bar and Grill, by the way, when I get home, because they have, they have the spasmatics out there every Sunday. I love the spasmatics and I don't like seeing, I mean, Doghouse on Doghouse on Demumbrian is a good time, but the acoustics in there, they kill me. It's so loud. You have to scream over everybody. So I know Scoreboard Bar and Grill is going to be the joint that I go to watch one of my uh, one of my favorite local bands. In the meantime, the show is uh, going to conclude here in the second, but we have to go about our daily custom, which is, of course, to do the polls. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse because the polls have closed and the votes have been tallied. It's time for a poll update, and he's a good boy. Buck Rising Show producer and correspondent, Lucas Panzica. Father Music makes me laugh right now. I saw a tweet from V-Love yesterday. He was in Paradise Park after the soccer game. What? By the way, who won, Nashville, SC, or Orlando? It was they a 1-1 draw. God. Yeah. Bless. But, but, and I ran into V-Love at the soccer game. But uh, well, we got poured on too. Yeah. So he went to Paradise Park afterwards, and he tweeted out, he tweeted out a uh, the the uh, Don Corleone gif, saying, you know, every time he walks into the uh, Paradise Park, that's not the OG Paradise Park, and it's just the Don Corleone after Sonny's been killed. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> it was great, great to see V Love out at Nissan Stadium. It was insanely wet and rainy. Uh, probably should have gotten the three points out of it, but Nashville got some help, and with the loss by NYCFC, moves up to sole possession of second place in the Eastern Conference table. Look at that. Winning football in Music City, even without a win. All right, go ahead. How much is your confidence in the Titans' defense risen throughout training camp? Through the roof, rising steadily, cautiously optimistic, or we still suck? Thirty or majority fifty-one percent are cautiously optimistic. Thirty-nine percent say it's rising steadily. Five percent confidence through the roof, and five percent think the Titans' defense still sucks. So largely, ninety percent of the audience pretty measured. How about that? How about that? 
By the way, don't put we from my Twitter account. Damn it, Lucas. It's it's the fans. It's the fans are voting, so they're reading it as we. No, I don't know. I have mixed emotions about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, cautiously optimistic is how you should be. Like, you don't know what the product on the field is going to look like until they play a game, right? And really, until about the, I tell you about this with the offense and just about the football team as a whole. Like, don't ask me for record predictions. Don't ask me for any, any of that kind of stuff because it's meaningless. What I say right now, I mean, not what I say right now. I think everything that between 10 and 1 that I say matters very much right now. But um, about the defense, like you don't know really what it's going to look like until about a month into the season. And then you can really project, you know, pending injuries, what exactly you can expect from this unit, how much more improved they will be, or if they don't improve, why they are not improved. Um, I think there's a, there's, a great deal of, um, there's a great deal of analysis that has to kind of wait in a way that people don't want it to wait but the way that they performed out here and throughout the course of training camp i am uh you know what on on the scale of those if we're talking through the roof rising steadily cautiously optimistic and uh and they still suck i think i'm kind of rising steadily i'm the same way i mean that's right. been the story of camp it's true is the vols qb job joe milton's to lose 83 percent say yes it sounds like it man that that clip we played from Alex Golish, the Vols offensive coordinator early in the show is a trip. Sounds like, it sounded like a, like a verbal love letter to Joe Milton about, <laughs> you know, playing the game of football and what they look for. Yeah. Yeah. All that crap matters. But uh, as I say, all that crap, but I just, I, I was surprised by how effusive he was and maybe we should have been paying attention to that. I mean, we've all, we've been saying Joe Milton basically since he transferred, right? Like this is not a surprise to anybody. Yeah, that you've seen that meter kind of rising uh, as he's gotten more practice reps in and more time has passed. Everybody kind of rose their eyebrows a little bit when they brought somebody in because it felt like you told something or it you know told something about what the staff thought about the court. It's like that quarterback room was packed, and then they brought another guy in to use the scholarship for another quarterback. That right there was telling. And then from what's happened in fall camp, that's what all signs point to. He also I, looks like a creative player in Madden. I think it's disappointing though. I really wanted to see more of Harrison Bailey. Maybe that's just because he looks like a prototypical quarterback at the pro level, but this is not the pro level. This is the college level. Josh Heupel needs the quarterback that's going to make it, the offense work as best as humanly possible to cover up what you know projects as an unholy bad defense this year. Which Titans draft pick has the biggest impact this coming season? Caleb Farley, Rashad Weaver, Dylan Radins, or Elijah Molden? 49% say it's Weaver. 34% of over 500 votes say it's Farley. 10% Molden, 7% Radens. No love for Des Fitzpatrick, huh? Uh, there's only four we, options. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, you know, Anything Monty Rice would have been the, the other one to put in there because we've seen what Des Fitzpatrick has offered so far in camp. I mean, he had one nice catch today. Um, it was a contested catch. I thought he made a good play on the ball. I thought I liked the way that he worked the DB down the field in the uh, red zone drills. But other than that, I was just kind of, you know. There's nothing, there's not, not, not a ton there to work with. But, I mean, Weaver, because of the position he plays, I think has the best chance. I mean, Farley, though, if he's a starting corner, then you would immediately say Farley. Last one of the day. Who is Jack Brady's favorite Patriot? The son of Tom Brady, about 500 votes. 87% say it's Mike Vrabel over Tom Brady. Well, Mike Vrabel agrees. Mike Vrabel out here trolling the greatest quarterback in the history of man by tweeting a picture that uh, I think Donald Page took of Brady, who I got a video of Brady throwing to his son today, which was a lovely moment. And then, uh, and then after the practice yesterday, Brady and Brable and Jack Brady gathered at midfield 
And Vrabel took that opportunity to go on social media and troll his former teammate and say, yeah, Jack Brady's favorite former Patriot is, of course, me, Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach, and also pictured Tom Brady. <laughs> Outstanding. It was a lot of fun. Listen, for all, for, from NPR and ASMR radio to my equipment getting fried by heat, I had a hell of a time out here. I know Lucas is probably miserable. He's just <laughs> shaking, shaking a fist at the sky. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I had fun. I had a great time. Now, yeah, a little chaos is good. Yeah, chaos is good. You know, it's like uh, it's like it's like Game of Thrones. A lot of Game of Thrones here uh, references lately, but it's like Game of Thrones when Littlefinger is saying to Varys, "Varys, chaos in the pit. Chaos is a ladder." And you know what we did with the ladder? We climbed the holy hell out of the ladder. We survive. We thrive. We continue our coverage down here from Tampa Bay. I will be live from Tampa Bay tomorrow. All of it presented by Scoreboard Bar and Grill, and of course, we'll be at the Bucks. Titans preseason game here in Tampa um, as we get closer and closer to the regular season. We're getting closer and closer to Blaine and Mickey because they're going to continue your entertainment for the rest of the afternoon. And it just so happens that they're coming up next.